Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. This week, we're going to look at scriptures from the Old Testament and the New Testament from Proper 21. Proper 21. Now, last week, we ended with the book of Hosea. The book of Hosea is an Old Testament book. It's one of the last 12 books of the Old Testament. Remember, the Old Testament has 39 books, and the last 12 are called the Minor Prophets. The first book of the Minor Prophets is a book called Hosea. So we'll say something about Hosea with you. We'll look at chapters 2, 4, 5, 6, 10, and 11 this week. After we look at the book of Hosea, we'll continue our work in Acts and Luke. In Acts, we are toward the end of Acts, Acts 20, 21, and 22, we will cover today, and Luke 5, 6, 5, and 6. We started Luke a couple of weeks ago, and now we are following Jesus in the book of Luke. Remember, as we go through the daily lectionary, there's always a gospel reading, and there's only four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we sometimes cover the whole book, and sometimes it's truncated. We've been in John for a while, John 1 through John 12. And now we are in the book of Luke. Okay, let's go to Hosea. Hosea is uh, a minor prophet, as I said earlier, and it's a book that not a whole lot of people know anything about. But it is rather long, 14 chapters. Let's look at chapter 1. Let's go back to chapter 1 and review again. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Beeri, during the reigns of Uzziah and Jotham, Ahaz and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Now remember the kings of Judah are in the southern kingdom, the kings of Israel and in the northern kingdom. And during the reign of Jeroboam, son of Joash, king of Israel. So you have both the uh, northern kingdom called Israel and the southern kingdom called Judah operating at the same time. Remember they split off due to the problem that with the death of Solomon, his son Rehoboam came into power. Uh, they had a serious problem with Rehoboam, and so ten tribes went to the north, and two tribes went to the south. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go, take to yourself an adulterous wife and children. Can you believe that's in the Bible? Of unfaithfulness, because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery in departing from the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Dilbalam. And she conceived a son. Now, so God told Hosea the prophet to intentionally go to an adulterous wife and children of unfaithfulness because the land is vile. And then he began to call out the children and name the children. So we go to chapter 2. We go to chapter 2 in proper 21. Rebuke your mother, rebuke her, chapter 2, verse 2, for she is not my wife and I am not her husband. Let her remove the adulterous look from her face and the unfaithfulness from between her breasts. Otherwise, I will strip her naked and make her as bare as the day she was born. So he is punishing Israel because of their sin. Verse 4, I will not show my love to her children because they are the children of adultery. Their mother has been unfaithful, and she has conceived them in disgrace. Verse 8, she has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her grain, the new wine and oil, who lavished on her the silver and gold, which they used for Baal. So one more time, ladies and gentlemen, 
the people of Israel have turned against the Lord. They have not obeyed his ways. They have not done what he has said. So this time to get their attention, he gets their attention through the Hosea's prophecies and Hosea's marriage to this adulterous woman. Chapter 3 talks about Hosea's reconciliation with his wife. Chapter 4, which is in your notes, Hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, because the Lord has a charge to bring against you who live in the land. There is no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. Strong words. There's only cursing, lying, and murder, verse 2, stealing and adultery. They break all bonds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Because of this, the land mourns. So, God is deriding them because of their wickedness in terms of their actions. He's showing them how vile they are in the marriage of Gomer and Hosea. He's vilifying the people, and he's coming against them. Chapter 4, verse 6. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. One of my favorite scriptures in Hosea. Because you've rejected knowledge, I will reject you as my priests. Because you've ignored the law of God, I will ignore your children. So God's judgment against their sin and the wrongdoing is very strong. And the prophet Hosea not only says the word of the Lord, he's illustrating the word of the Lord in terms of their vileness, in terms of his relationship with Gomer. I will punish both of them for their ways and repay them for their deeds. They are unfaithful to their God. Verse 12. So there is a strong judgment against Israel. Please enjoy if you can, Hosea chapter 4. And so the word of the Lord is very, very, very strong. Though you commit adultery, O Israel, verse 15 of chapter 4, let not Judah become guilty. Do not go up to Gilgal. And so he just tells them what he wants them to do. The Israelites are stubborn, verse 16. Okay, continue on with chapter 5, beginning in the 8th verse. Sound the trumpet in Gebeah, the horn in Ramah. Raise the battle cry in Beth Haven. Lead on, O Benjamin. Ephraim will be laid waste on the day of reckoning. Wow, what a strong word. Judah's leaders are like those who move boundary bones, verse 10. Boundary stones. I will pour out my wrath on them like a flood of water. And so God is showing them their sin. He's illustrating their sin. He's saying what they're doing, and he shows them by consequence they're going to be judged very harshly. 5, 8 to 6, 6 is one of the readings. Let's go to verse 1 of chapter 6. Come, let us return to the Lord. Now, that would be a very wise thing to do when the Lord is chastising us and judging us. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. Interestingly, Jesus' death on the cross, he was buried for three days. So the prophet says, let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. What great words for today. What great words for today. Let us return to the Lord. He is going to heal us. He is going to bind up our wounds. We want to live in his presence. Let us acknowledge him. Let us press on to acknowledge him. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. Verse 6. 
for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. I'm not impressed with some of these rituals that you do. I want you to acknowledge me. I want you to have knowledge with me. I want you to obey me. I want you to do what I say. None of those words has changed. None of those words has changed in our history uh, with the Lord and in the Old and New Testaments. Okay, those are still viable and still good today. Let's turn now to Hosea chapter 10. Now, you know, you may be enjoying Hosea and you may want to read subsequent chapters. I'm um, just following the daily lectionary and the listing that you have on our podcast. But please go ahead and read the rest of it. It's quite, quite good. Chapter 10, 1 through 15, look at verse 12. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Still a good word today. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. Break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. So you want to seek God. You want to sow righteousness. You want to break up the unplowed ground. You want to reap the fruit of unfailing love. You want to, you want to experience the presence of the Lord. Okay? That is the word to us. So he always tells us what he wants us to do. And then he shares with us what we're not doing well and what the consequences are. Now, when you hear that word, you want to respond with repentance and sorrow, asking God for forgiveness, and then moving forward in a positive way. And Hosea helps us with that. Chapter 11 of Hosea. Chapter 11, verse 1. When Israel was a child, I loved him. There's the love of God. Out of Egypt, I called my son. But the more I called Israel, the further they went from me. Isn't that sad? I called Israel. The people did not respond. I called out to them again. They wouldn't listen to me. They went far away from me. In the end, I had to judge them because I'm a holy God and share with them the consequences of their sin. Finally, they returned and wanted to return in repentance. They sacrificed to the Baals. They burned incenses, incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, verse 3, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. I'm loving. I care about them. I lifted the yoke from their neck and bent down to feed them. Will not they return to Egypt? And will not Assyria rule over them because they refuse to uh, repent? I, you know, these nations are going to take them captive and are going to put them in bondage because they refuse to repent. And that's exactly what happened. My heart is changed within me in verse 8. All my compassion is aroused. And he says, I will not carry out my fierce anger. I am God, I am not man, the Holy One among you. I will not come in wrath. So there's this fantastically interesting relationship between God and the people of Israel. Between their lack of love for them, for him, and his consequent response. Then there's love for him and his consequent response, which is very positive. So we urge you in your relationship with God, which I hope you have, that you are moving forward to constantly be growing in that relationship. And if you are astray, please repent. I do not want you to reap the consequences of your sin. You don't want that to happen. And as you read through the Old Testament, you see that over and over again. God will bless you if you follow him and submit to his will and repent of your sins. Let's turn now to Acts chapter 20. Let's turn and so enjoy the book of Hosea, particularly if you've not read it before. It's quite good. And you, again, might, may want to read uh, other scriptures that are not listed. 
chapter 20, 17 through 38. This is Paul's farewell to the Ephesian elders. It's a very moving uh, series of verses. And uh, he's very sad because he knows he probably won't see them again. And he uh, spent a lot of time there. And his ministry in Ephesus was very powerful. Of course, we have a, a, a scriptures that he has given us, the book of Ephesians, one of the great scriptures of the Bible that he has. This is what he says in verse 27 of chapter 20. I have not hesitated to proclaim the whole will of God. Now, that is a wonderful thing that you and I need to receive. You don't want to hear the partial word of God. You want to hear the whole word of God. You want to hear the whole will of God. You don't want a partial. You want the whole thing. I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Guard yourselves and all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he brought with his own blood. You're shepherding these people. Take care of these people. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples. Be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning you day and night with tears. Now, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to leave. I'm protecting you. But I'm going to leave and ravenous wolves are going to come in. Not literal wolves, but people that act like wolves to try to destroy you. You need to be to protect the sheep. You need to be aware of this. You cannot allow people to distort the truth. You cannot allow them to draw away disciples. You cannot allow your sheep be, to be destroyed by false doctrine. Be on your guard. Now, verse 32, I commit to you, to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. So it is very important that the word of God that I shared with you, Ephesian elders, this is Paul speaking, that you keep, because that's what's going to save you and that's what's going to build you up and that's what's going to protect you and that's what's going to keep you safe. But if you believe lies, if you believe untrue things and the wolves get in, they will destroy you and they will tear you apart and they will tear the community apart. These words are still good to this day. Chapter 21, he's on to Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit in verse 4 urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Isn't that interesting? They went, remember in verse 1, we tore ourselves away, we went out to sea, we sailed straight to Kos, the next day we went to Rhodes, then we went to Patera, Finding the disciples there, we stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Paul, we don't think you should go to Jerusalem. We prayed, and the Holy Spirit said to us, you should not go. Guess what? Paul went. Paul went. And the people were glad that he came to Jerusalem. Now, that is a whole different subject. The idea of discernment. The idea, was it the Holy Spirit that they heard? Was it not the Holy Spirit? Was Paul submissive to the Holy Spirit? Or was Paul not listening to the Holy Spirit and disobeyed the Holy Spirit? Those are fantastic questions. Now, what happened? Well, Paul got arrested. Sometimes things happen to his people that do not go the way that we would like them to go or that we thought they should go or what we think God has told us they should go. 
But God's plan, if he is leading us and guiding us, and if we are doing his will, may have a different outcome. So he was arrested in verse 31. They were trying to kill him. And the commander of the Roman troops responded, and they were beating Paul. They would have killed him unless the leadership of Rome had saved him. So this idea that all the Roman people were bad and everything that was bad about the Roman people is not true in Acts chapter 21 because they, in fact, saved Paul from almost certain death. May I say something to you? Verse 37, do you speak Greek? I am a Jew from Tarsus in Sicilia. Verse 39, Paul answers, a citizen of no other city. Let me speak to the people. And so he stood and he said to them in Aromatic, and this is my defense. This is what I should do. The God of our fathers has chosen you, verse 14 of chapter 22, to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear words from his mouth. He says in verse 17, while I was returning to Jerusalem, was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance. I saw the Lord speaking. Then the Lord said to me, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. So they find out that Paul is a Roman citizen and is, is it legal to flog a Roman citizen who hasn't been found guilty, verse 25? And when they heard this, they said, this man's a Roman citizen. Don't touch this guy. So what's going on here is that the disciples concluded that he shouldn't go to Jerusalem. He went because he thought that God was leading him there. He gets arrested because the people in Jerusalem can't stand him. The Jews do not like him. They believe he's dangerous. The Roman leaders in that area, of course there were Roman people there in Jerusalem because Jerusalem was under occupation, helped Paul and saved him from almost certain death. Paul spoke to the people. They find out that Paul is, in fact, a Roman citizen. And so now we'll see in subsequent weeks there are certain things that need to be done for a Roman citizen who is arrested. And we'll see that as we go. But enjoy this reading. It's quite long. There's not as much theology, but it's very interesting. The tete-a-tete that Paul has with the Romans, who are the bad guys, and the Jewish people, who are supposedly the good guys. You'll enjoy that. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Jesus has begun his ministry in Luke, and he is calling, verses 1 through 11, he's calling the first disciples, This is a divine call of God. This beautiful instance is when they were fishing and he told them to put their nets, uh, put their nets down. And they said, well, we've been, we've been working all night. We hadn't found anything. Who are you? What do you know about fishing? You know, basically. And they did it. And they caught so many fish that the boat, the nets were beginning to break. Verse six, Peter falls at Jesus's knees Get away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. He recognized that this was an extraordinary person. And he is, and his companions, verse 9, were astonished at the catch. And then Jesus says to Simon Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men, verse 10. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is how they met Jesus. Jesus does a great miracle in their presence. No way he could be right. You don't. The, f- the fish aren't there. They put the nets down. There's so many fish, it breaks the nets or begins to break the nets. 
they fall down on their knees, and instead of Jesus chastising them for their lack of faith, he says, come follow me. So they do. And now we begin a series of healings. We have the man with leprosy from 12 through 16. We have the paralytic, where he forgives the paralytic of his sin sins. Verse 24, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, and so he does. Then he calls Levi, who is Matthew. And as we begin chapter 6, he is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, to say that you're Lord of the Sabbath, that's a big deal. What a huge commandment. What a huge commandment. The Sabbath, keeping the Sabbath. All right, one of the Ten Commandments. And Jesus uh, heals a person with a shriveled hand. And he says in verse 9, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good and to do evil, to save life and destroy it. And in their religiosity, the Pharisees, and in their sanctimonious piety, if you will, and in their traditions, they were strangling the word of God. So instead of helping people and being interested in people and healing people and being concerned about their plight, they were more concerned about keeping the law of the Lord. And Jesus wanted to show them what compassion looks like. Verse 12 of chapter 6, one of these days, Jesus went out into the hills to pray and spent the night praying to God. You don't think it's important to pray? Jesus is the second person of the Holy Trinity, is an eternal being, and he was praying. Very important to pray. Very important to be quiet. Very important to listen. And then we have the disciples that are listed. In chapter 6, 27 to 38, to round out the week, 27 to 38, we have the blessings and the woes, and we have words from the Sermon on the Mount about loving our enemies and judging people. Great, great words for us, folks. Be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful, verse 36. Do not judge, verse 37. You won't be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Wouldn't that be great if all of us did that? Don't judge. Don't condemn and forgive. Don't judge, don't condemn, and forgive people. Be merciful, verse 36. Those four things, be merciful, do not judge, do not condemn, and forgive. So Jesus is teaching them, and he's illustrating for them how he wants them to live in the kingdom of God. He's doing miracles along the way so they will put trust in him and he's validating his own authority by which he does things. He's calling his disciples and he's teaching them for about a three-year period. And he's instructing them in the ways of the Lord so he knows that when he's crucified and he dies and he ascends into heaven, which is the end of Luke 24, that they will then be blessed by the Lord through the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 and then they are sent out as we read about in Acts now, concurrently with this, how they are being sent out to share the message of the gospel. Well, I hope you enjoy your reading this week. I hope you enjoy your study this week. And I hope that we will take some time prayerfully to consider these scriptures from Hosea, which is a rather shocking prophetic book uh, in, in the things that God is saying, but still relevant to us today. The book of Acts, as we continue to Watch Paul and his exploits in dealing particularly with the Jewish leaders. And then finally, Jesus begins his ministry at Luke. And we are walking 
with him to see what he's doing and what he's saying. And then of course, prayerfully, we will take up our cross, follow him and serve him like Peter and James and John did. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Next week, we'll be looking at Proper 22.